Welcome to Dreamers and Unicorns, brought to you by People Strong. Hey, Ginny, who do we have today? Well, Abhijit, today our guest is Saidi Chahal, CEO and founder of Shiro's. You can talk to her about women in workplaces. Okay, great. Let us start the show. Hey, listeners, you have to tell me what to make of this person. She acquired a master's degree in Russian language from JNU and went on to work for Central Asian countries, opening their embassies in the national capital. And then she and a couple of friends decided to set up Newslink Services, India's first magazine for mariners. She worked for the Confederation of Indian Industry and the search firm Hydric and Struggles. Today, she is the founder of a social network for women that has, hold your breath, more than 16 million users. And she has created a platform that allows moms to come back to work. Hi, I'm Abhijit Bhaduri, the host of Dreamers and Unicorns, and I work with organizations to transform their leadership teams, their talent strategy, and their culture. In the studio today is the founder of Shiro's and Fleximoms, Sairi Chahal. Hey, Sairi, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me here. So, Sairi, every entrepreneur has a kind of an origin story, how they got started, what triggered yeah. uh, that. And if I were to ask you, um, what prompted you to move down this path of entrepreneurship? What is your origin story? Well, um, two things. I think, one, I'm an entrepreneur at heart. I mean, I've done stuff. How did you know that? Uh, I discovered that. And uh, and I discovered it uh, total by happenstance much earlier in life. I did my first startup when I was 20, 21. And Which one was this? Newslink. Okay. Newslink was, yeah. yeah, I was still in college. So I was studying in JNU and still building a company. And uh, I knew that this is... So I count Newslink as my real school. I learned all my tricks of the trade there. I learned hiring and building a product, building teams, building cross-border teams, building hiring engineers. So a lot of, lot of interesting sort of skills. But more than that, it's the intensity of the journey and the change we were able to make. Uh, it's amazing. Last week, I met somebody who uh, I went to meet this founder uh, and we were creating an alliance. And he told me that he used to get Newslink on his ship and he's a mariner. Wow. So... Uh, you know, these dots connect. And also my stints in the corporate world were pretty plain. I mean, I really sort of figured that, you know, I need to sort of, you know, have... Why was that? What was missing uh, I just, in the corporate uh, just, just, just the freedom one. to experiment. I think the freedom to experiment and also the size of your canvas. Like, I always figured that, hey, you could take, like, an interesting problem and work on it. And the truth is, when you work on something entrepreneurially, there's a lot more failure you know, an acceptance of failure in corporate setup is obviously much lower, even however, you know, liberal that environment is. So DNA-wise, I'm just, I'm an entrepreneur and, you know, I'm sort of meant to build things and build companies and build teams. And uh, otherwise, look, I grew up in small town India, you know, in 80s, it was a really, 
you know, bland time in terms of what was available to you, you know, whether it was options, whether it was movies Bollywood was making or whether it was, you know, amount of information available to you. I always had this like, hey, I want a bigger sky. I want to get out of here. I want to do something. And I knew this when I was 11, 12, 13. Like my growing up years, I knew that dude get out of here and of course I also come from a big fat Punjabi family where mm. you know there's always a sword dangling to say oh you turned 19 let's find your boy and now let's get you engaged and then by the time you're 20 you're married off and then you're like you know that's it right that's end of story and I, I was very cognizant of that fact and so I was like entrepreneurship turned out to be a really nice way to sort of do my thing find my own uh, you know, conscious choices, but also to do things that that are very close to my heart. You know, being a small town girl, being a, uh, you know, coming from a North Indian family. I think all these things added up. And of course, they all add up only in hindsight. When you're on the path, you're not very, you know, aware of that. But in hindsight, they added up. So when you're uh, 11, what are some of those things that uh tell you that one day I'm going to be an entrepreneur? What what were those dreams like? What, what did you dream of doing? So I kind of knew, like I used to keep a diary and I would always sort of put down things that I wanted to be. But the things that I wanted to be were many things. Like? It wanted, I wanted to be a writer. I wanted to be a manager. I wanted to be a, a artist. I, I wanted to be everything. I think except for maybe being, uh, being a doctor and a CA I think I've apart from that I wanted to be like a lot of things and also even in school I like my mom always said you have like a superiority complex and you're bossy and you're very <laughs> like I would sort of you know I have a younger sister and we would always you know I would always sort of say hey you should do this you should sort of do this and then I would try and sort of like I set up a children's club when I was a kid to say okay you all can become members so see it starts early. See, see you're collecting <laughs> membership money out there <laughs> yeah you know or or things like uh, I actually set up a library for kids like basically I I pulled all the books in the house and you know sent out a circular to you know neighbors to say here's your library you can borrow books from here and of course my mom was mad later on but you know I started working very early and uh, my first assignment was also a fluke like literally like put your hands up and you know I was sitting in the JNU common room mm -hmm. and there used to be only one telephone line for like 600 people back then <laughs> and uh, I was waiting there and uh, this couple walks in very elegant looking you know couple from Ministry of External Affairs and they said hey we are uh, looking for somebody from the Russian department and we are being sent to Moscow and we want somebody to teach us okay and uh, and I promise you if it was somebody else they would say oh yeah we'll find you a teacher we'll find you a you know MPhil student I was in my second year and I said oh yeah look I can teach you and that was my first assignment ever and wow. um, so entrepreneurs they say are people who have uh, dreams which are bigger than their resources. All the time. Like, all the time? All the time. All the time. That <laughs> is nonstop, you know, like it's a, it's an everyday story because of things you want to do, the experiments you want to run. And like, you know, like today we say we want to be 100 million women network. And, you know, like morning I, I said that at Sankalp Forum and people were like, you must be a little loony, you know, like, but uh, look, I think, and also, you know, the size of your dreams sort of needs to constantly expand. I mean, when in a small town, being able to get out and sort of build your own identity was very good. But uh, today, it's obviously like, 
I, what I call women's internet. So it's mm-hmm. so you know. What so, is the women's internet? Well, uh, so if you if you sort of look at the texture of the internet today, internet was built much like the industrial world by men. Mm-hmm. Okay, so if you look at one of the top categories, there is news, there is stock market, there's games, there's mm-hmm. pornography, there is uh, sports, and mm-hmm. there is maybe transactions, right? When women come online, they they look for very very different experience of the internet, and obviously nobody sort of double clicked on it, and I think it's uh, it's it's really making the internet work for women. Look, it's the most magical. Thing in our lives, like just imagine being off the internet for a day, you know, or even an hour for that matter. So no digital detox for you, yeah, clearly. No digital <laughs> detox for me, definitely. And uh, but just just how magical it is, it changed mm-hmm. our lives. And if you sort of stack it against the gender index numbers of our own country, right? Like we're always in that bottom rung. So to me, it's the most enabling technology we have, and it can be even more powerful for a lot of people. Who who are coming online for the first time? It can really change things. So to to me, women's internet is really making internet work for women, and of course, building things that are even more personalized to their needs. You know, you talked about this whole thing of um, empowering women. One of the things that I wanted to um, explore was, you know, when w- women take a break, or for yeah. that matter, yeah. anyone yeah. when they take yeah. a break. You yeah. know, you go away for vacation yeah. for a week and you come back and you suddenly you, you're struggling to yeah. cope back yeah. with yeah. Uh, all what yeah. has changed. Yeah. Yeah. In the same way when women take a break for maternity or anything else. Yeah. When, yeah. They, when you come back, the world seems to have moved at a rapid pace. Yeah. Yeah. So what are the things the individuals can do to move back? Right. What are the things that organizations can do? Right. So I'll take a step back and I'll actually uh, talk a little bit about what, what we're doing at Shiro's a little bit and you know, just just the range of things that we end up doing now, and then I'll come to a little bit about you know. Uh, is that the f- Shiro's bit, or is that you have another setup called Flexi Moms? So actually, Flexi Mom doesn't exist now hmm. because we folded it into Shiro's. Okay. And so there's only one platform for us, which is Shiro's, and Shiro's is a actually a, it's a platform for all women now, as young as twelve, thirteen, and as old as seventy, seventy-five, and uh, and of course a lot of our users are now first time internet users, a lot of uh, women who are uh, perhaps not in the in the corporate space, but of course there's an aspiration to do well in life. And one of the things we, we see is there are four things that are integral to building this experience and making the internet work for women. Uh, first is building their online identity. So for, just imagine some of us came online, you know, in early days of the internet, you know, we, we had Yahoo IDs and Hotmail IDs, then we got Gmail, then we went to LinkedIn. So we've had a journey. Now imagine a lot of people who've never sort of gotten that, the only experience of the internet is WhatsApp. So building online identity and almost like a exclusive club, you know, mm-hmm. I say it's Gymkhana membership meets friend for life. Basically that's, that's the flavor of how this is being crafted. It's a it's it's a community. And second is your own network, right? Like you and I are successful because our networks are sort of with us. You know, we tap into our networks. We we are obviously at a very, very different level. But imagine somebody who doesn't come from that place of privilege. Imagine, you know, I, I love the new range of movies that come in Bollywood, you know, Bareli Ki Barfi and... Bilai, a brilliant hey, film. I love right? that film. So, so just imagine that protagonist, right? That's the protagonist 
we really worked for honestly because uh you know and and helping her sort of craft her online identity helping a bit her network supporting her with a bunch of things including advice information peer network uh, mentors champions a whole whole ecosystem sort of rooting for you and we all have those ecosystems whether our alumni networks or organizations and fourth and most important one is access to money and access to money is also changing flavors i mean you know as job growth in india has sort of you know changed colors from you know corporate growth to gig workers to micro in, micro workers to micro entrepreneurs to online workers this is all impacting women in a big way you know so they they so we do a lot of things that help women become you know become financially enabled in some way or the other whether it's finding work becoming entrepreneurial and now we're testing credit via our network so, so when should... you think about uh, you talked about you know gig work freelance yeah. micro entrepreneurs are these different terms um, you know how do you distinguish or is it are they synonyms so no they're not really synonyms like a gig worker is typically let's say an influencer in you know instagram influencer i would say they're really a gig worker a blogger would be maybe a graphic designer a lot of creative professionals uh, because they really, for them every assignment comes and goes but they end up doing some knowledge work they end up doing some okay. you know um and then there's micro entrepreneurs basically people who are really enabled through a larger ecosystem of supply and demand but they play a smaller role in it so for example online reselling there are a lot of apps now that enable you to sell online but your own liability in investment is super super small or almost non existent is the equivalent effort. of micro credit My, uh, you know micro entrepreneurship yeah yeah exactly and then there are you know other online models i run i make cupcakes i make soaps i offer astrology services i i offer tuitions i i do a whole lot of these things uh, also an online entrepreneur because they are only an entrepreneur because that opportunity to sell exists online, online they would yeah. not sort of physically go into a space and set that up uh, so these are sort of and of course we always end up using these a little interchangeably uh, especially gig worker because i think uh, you know these are all newer things we are all sort of learning to grapple with them and two they don't come under a lot of regulation which i think is a nice thing you've also worked as a uh, in a search firm yeah. executive yeah. search firm yeah. when you so sort of did that and you therefore had a way of evaluating talent and saying okay this guy is the right fit yeah. for this yeah what is it that you see in an entrepreneur which is very important and what does somebody who needs to work as an employee what do they have or not have how are these different right so i think um uh there are two things i think one one of the things is common which is empathy i think to me to be able to work with someone or to be able to sort of uh do anything empathy score i think as a as a value uh i think for entrepreneurs you know being able to work through ambiguity you know that's why they keep using the term hustler and you know ninja and all those things but i think ambiguity is a is really like a you know you have to make friends with it constantly you have to sort of really live with it all at all times and that's i think core to an entrepreneur and therefore as a byproduct just you know hardcore cold blooded determination like you know nothing should sort of set you off but as i think um while a lot of these things also stand true when you're an employee but just your safety net is slightly better which means that your ability to go deeper with what you do is much higher as an entrepreneur you always who 
irrespective of who you are whether you're a small startup owner or whether you run a very large company you still end up sort of doing a lot of range you end up spreading a little thin compared to being in an ecosystem where a lot of other things are enabled for you there are parts that are sort of designed to sort of work with you and uh, i think being able to just stay on course and execute hard but at the same time sort of do it with little sense of openness to me you know uh, openness is core to honestly both sides of the fence you know so they are very and especially in this world where things are moving so so fast and you know there are no quarterly plans anymore there are no annual plans anymore uh, you know we are all, all getting disrupted you know almost on a daily basis so is this a time which is really specifically uh, great for entrepreneurs more than employees or i think we all are entrepreneurs now you know mm-hmm. are just like even, even the ones who are in a job yes absolutely i don't think in today's world there's any other way to exist you know we are all entrepreneurs because uh you know and it's not about the org structure and it's not at all about uh you know whether you get a salary or not or whether you know you're sort of managing those funds. i think it's not about the financial stakes it's really about um how you navigate the world you know you know in in your terms they call the vuca word right so it's it's really navigating everything that's thrown at you every single day mm-hmm. and uh, and if you're part of a dynamic organization then there's no way it's all plain and simple for you nothing is plain and simple anymore nothing is linear nothing is uh, as it is supposed to be so uh, if you're not an entrepreneur or if you don't don't sort of respond with both a sense of persistence as well as openness it's not going to sort of happen so when organizations today are uh, looking to increase their diversity and inclusion yeah. you know and make it a more equal kind of a workplace yeah what is it that they should be doing in the hiring process what are they not doing which is why you know you don't have enough number of women at the top so to me the whole idea of uh, building diversity is not at a hiring stage it's really at a much core level at a cxo level if i may and also at a designing the company level what you're really doing is designing for a market and of course we all need more ideas you know at the table we also need to represent the context we are we are operating in and nobody operates in a all male context you know so our world is sort of not designed like that and there's barely any organization which which doesn't need to represent the society it operates in so, so to me these things come much early on and of course uh, you know a part of this is again like i say i think empathy is core being able to put yourself in somebody else's shoes being able to uh you know understand what their lives might be you know so very small things you know if if your organization works 9 to 6 but it's it's much nicer if people who have you know let's say pets or kids at home got you know got to go at 5 o'clock it's a very small thing but it really changes the quality of life it really sort of so i do believe that honestly a lot of this is about very basic humanity you know it's it's just building more hu- human approach to organizations and then if if that is in place then nothing is you know nothing is high dissonance you know it's it's not going to cause as much friction but because i think we're optimizing for other metrics first uh you know and we 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 hope that we will add a little little layer of diversity later or we'll sprinkle a little 
you know human touch later then it'll work you know the way you put it that uh, you should be able to create a more inclusive perspective in the organization per yeah. se yeah. you know bring in more diversity so if i were to then say that maybe even if you don't currently have enough number of women yeah, at at all levels yeah. equally yeah. Uh, you could still when you are discussing issues you can invite more people yeah across you yeah. know it doesn't have to be that you have to wait until you exactly. have enough number of yeah. people is, yeah. is that even yeah. a viable solution absolutely you know it's basically being entrepreneurial right start with what you have and start where you are and do as much as you can right and i think small changes lead to a lot of big triggers especially in in these cases you know uh, being able to sort of uh, you know offer small changes like timings being able to uh, and i'm going to sort of call out something that's been bothering me a little bit mm-hmm. uh, which is back to work programs that companies are designing mm-hmm. and i think we are doing it wrong because you know we end up designing like watertight to say hey you know if you're back to work then you have to qualify this 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 but the truth is no two people are going to have the same sort of life life timings life reasons you know the reasons to take a break skills and we end up doing basically the mistake of compartmentalizing people people should be able to custom fit their lives a little bit as much as possible yes you need a lot of structures and processes in place but this is also the age of personalization i mean mm-hmm. fundamentally the way to look at work is you know earlier work was like tv we all watched the same tv and mm-hmm. we all you know sort of looked at the same screen today you all look at a different screen you know and if you, as you design a new world order the idea of personalized lives is real you know when you when i look at younger people when i look at my daughter when i look at you know people who work in my company their idea of the world is very very different it's built around them and i think organizations also need to respond to that and if we are able to do it you know at at a at a in principle level then a lot of our inclusion issues sort of get resolved a little bit because what you're really doing is offering people a lot more uh, room to play and you're also offering a lot of personalization of success you know so whether it is being in a high gear in your career at some point and you know tapering off at some point and being able to change tracks so or being able to keep a job but also sort of like I'll give you an example our CFO was with us for a little while and then she had a startup idea she's incubating that startup while being our CFO because we need a CFO and her startup is still not at a place and that kind of openness i think is really like an imperative to to build what you know what i call future of work because mm. it's it's really for the small screen it's really for that person's life and i think organizations and look at look at this change that's happening right the whole gig thing and micro entrepreneurs and creators and makers and you know it's a world's undergoing like a very interesting time well, that's so true talking about inclusivity in workspaces um hey jinny didn't pankaj bansal say something about this in his episode yes This is what Pankaj Bansal from People Strong had to say. So let's understand inclusivity from a perspective of equality. If you want equality in a system, you'll have to empower people. If you have to empower people, there is no better way than digital systems. A digital system will allow a frontline executive and a CEO to be on the same platform. They can communicate from any location. Look at example of India or a company like Vmart, which happens to be our customer. They have India has 28000 zip codes 670 districts in that if you have employees how will you bring them or make them an equal platform by giving them a similar digital experience that they can have this is one part another aspect of this whole story of equality is where you don't look at people or evaluate them 
from their preferences there is an lgbt uh, section which is coming up there is a section which is talking about health there are people who have served in prisons for something that went wrong in their lives can we bring all this and make it a part of workforce this equality is easier said than done it's the cultural thread which we'll have to build around we will have to make sure that from the recruitment processes all these questions are not asked all these things have not been given weightages to and we take it throughout the employee life cycle thanks jini now let's get back to the show when when people take a break for work yeah. example for maternity and yeah. all um and they are seeking to come back yeah. at some point of time yeah um do you recommend that they stay in touch with what's happening in the office yes yes or do you think that that's a time they should enjoy their motherhood or I take enjoy the break and then when they come back they can start working towards it what do you suggest is the right way what have you seen working well so i think um both needs to happen you need to sort of obviously do do the job at hand well and of course you know um, your own happiness is you know very important but at the same time being in touch with not just your organization your sector i think the changes are actually happening outside your organization and being able to sort of keep like I always tell women who work in tech to say hey just upgrade yourself while you're away because when you come back you will actually you know find like a far more lucrative position than you left similarly you know areas where we need more people you know we all need people in analytics and data science and machine learning i mean you know we can't find enough people so there are areas which are really nice you know opportunity uh, areas of growth but at the same time being able to sort of make sure that uh you're around to your organization and your organization understands your interest back in them is really really significant but at the same time the pace of change within companies is really really fast uh and of course uh you know a little bit of like i say you know i know uh, maternity leave is 6 months but the truth is you know uh if you can sort of you know be around and volunteer even for an hour a day for your team they can really appreciate it it's a small gesture and i think companies can do the other way around as well so it's uh, it's creating a lot of shared empathy within organizations you know to to sort of make sure that all that you've invested in that relationship stays right you're salvaging that investment really mm. um, you know you've actually looked at entrepreneurship in your life yeah. from the time you were 11 to a time when now obviously you scaled up your yeah. business and you've sort of seen both models yeah. yeah yeah where you are an entrepreneur with maybe one or two people and then that's it and then at a time when you're building a large organization you're yeah. growing fast yeah how do you know that uh, the same person who was comfortable and very successful maybe with those two person organization yeah is also capable of scaling up and building an organization with 50 people 200 people 20000 people right what are the, some of the indicators one should watch out for and say that will i enjoy scaling it up or should right. i just keep it at that what yeah. so it's a you know it's a little bit like sports like you don't enjoy most part of it most part of it is just you know sweating and running and you know showing up every day with nothing to show for it right and i think uh, building uh, businesses is like that it it sounds very nice and it's very nice to talk about but when you're actually building it none of this happens on an everyday basis you're really dealing with grimy issues and sort of things that don't look pretty you know you know on the table but but that's how it gets done and of course i think um most people can scale companies i mean ultimately there is a lot of management science available to sort of not only you know help you build scale but there's also a lot of uh, 
tools and, you know, a lot of things that help you scale much faster, right? So, I mean, uh, you know, when I was building uh, Newslink, we had to build server rooms where we had to put our, you know, shoes outside. But of course, today we can go from, you know, 16 million users to 100 million users with literally, you know, maybe, you know, a little more spend on our credit card. So it's it's also changing that way. So there are tools that are far more richer now. And I think scales, and you, you can see, you know, organizations who are scaling now. Companies are going from, you know, zero to 100,000 or, you know, 100 million users in less than three to four years now because a lot of this is happening. A lot of workforce is, you know, obviously connected. A lot of tools, customers, ecosystems are connected. This wasn't there before. So scaling up is obviously easier now, but at the same time, the, which means it's easier for everyone. There's It's far more competitive. It's far more sort of, you know, it's it's quite cutthroat. What you can do, everybody else can do. So building moats is getting harder. So it's it's interesting how, how the market's sort of playing out. But I think scaling is also a matter of what do you want to build out, who you want to be, you know. So I know, uh, you know, entrepreneurs who wouldn't settle for less than building a unicorn, you know, 20,000 people, 40,000 people. But I also know, you know, uh, entrepreneurs who want to build a WhatsApp-like company to say, hey, you know, we just want to be a tech company. We only want engineers and we all want to see our faces and names and we want to celebrate, you know, our holidays together. Or or companies which say, hey, we're going to be distributed. You know, we rather sort of build a more peaceful company. And I think obviously the financial structure and, you know, the incentive structure alignment is very, very different for all these companies. But uh, scale is now more more inherent to organizations than it ever was because there's so much of, you know, support structure around scale available. So the likelihood of, uh, you know, people who would never imagine that they would build a large company and are building one is very, very high in this day and age. You know, when you scale up an organization yeah. you also have to uh, think about how you scale up talent yeah. and and you also have not you are not only hiring people but yeah. you are also having to upskill up and reskill the existing people yeah yeah when you think about your own organization as it has grown how have you looked at your talent strategy Right. So we eat our own dog food, like a lot. And of course, um, we have a reverse diversity problem because, you know, there was a point in time when we actually had to take a call to say, oh, we should hire some men in this company, which we did. Uh, But I think uh, talent is a little bit like a product. You have to invest in it on day one when you set up that company. You may not hire, you know, all the people, but... uh, Creating an investment in your ecosystem is very, very important. So, what are some things you've done? So, for example, we've always invested in community. Like, we hire a lot of people from our own community. You know, our community managers, product managers, a lot of inbound requests. I think the great thing about building a, a company, you know, which, which is solving its talent problem, is that people should want to be on your team. You know, they should they should like the mission so much that they're willing to give a part of your life, part of their life to you. So uh, for us, that's always been the case. And and we're a very mission-centric company. We don't go to traditional channels. We don't want people who were, you know, who would get incentivized by a 20% hike because we don't want that kind of, you know, incentive structure in place. We, we're very quantum, right? It's very do-or-die approach. It's very, hey, like, you know, let's get to the 100 million very hardcore problem solving, you know, mission aligned sort of uh, team. And to be able to build that, there's only one way is one, people know about what you're doing. And people have an opportunity to sample it. 
like we do a lot of community meetups and you know a lot of people may think like oh not a nice marketing channel but the truth is it's a trust building channel it's an investment in trust to say what you see is what you get this is who we are so a lot of people who may look like community to us but are also potential hires for us you know so a lot of our channels uh, you know our our team comes from there a lot of our um, in fact our customers come from the community as well strangely because it's it's all sort of you know connected uh, so and even now like as we grow we find even large customers are word of mouth they're from they're all inbound you know so to be able to create a pull around hey this is who we are this is our mission we all sort of align to it and it's almost nameless faceless i mean you will see me talking about it everywhere but you know if you pulled me out and you know it was just heroes then it would still remain the same the the core sort of dna and the core uh code of code of work would remain the same and that 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 to people is a lot of simplicity right it's being able to adopt very very quickly to say hey oh yes i i align with this you know one of the things that research in incentives actually uh, tells us that when we incentivize behavior yeah. you know through either a reward or say you know you'll get a stock option or mm-hmm. you'll get this reward yeah. even simple things like grades etc yeah. it actually is a uh, is a in- motivation killer because yeah. the more you incentivize from the outside and say if you do this i will give you yeah. this yeah. the more you are killing the internal yeah. drive of the person to actually Absolutely. do work on something that matters to them so they really enjoy it i mean typical thing is watch a kid read a book yeah. and then you say when you complete a book i'm going to give you a chocolate i mean it's a surefire way to kill the interest in yeah. in the reading, um, in the reading itself process exactly. itself so exactly. which is why i guess purpose makes a yeah. big difference also you know you have to carry it every day look when you come to work i mean look if if i was a company like you know unilever i would have very clear metrics to say these are number of soaps i have to sell i have nothing to sell that's a very hard job in this day and age because you're building a community you're building a platform and you're sort of creating a little nuanced approach on how we're doing this you know it's a community there's also a lot of functional you know businesses built on those levers uh, how do you sort of make this make this simple enough for the other person to say wow if if i'm part of this team then you know i can say i built a 100 million women organization you know there are very few incentives that can match that right or to say hey you know it's you know it's a little bit like when when people come out of paypal or facebook or flipkart they say oh we are the mafia right because their pride in what they created is so high that their next assignment really has like a tough time keeping up so i think to me that's really the best incentive that you can create and also a lot of freedom to play you know i think what what has gone away is very straight jacketed to say this is your jd and you will sort of stay within this and you will sort of you know only do this i think that's sure is a motivation killer especially as i see a lot more young people they they all have you know diverse lives vibrant personalities they want more out of life and and i think we are all in a little bit of a hurry because you know this it's like a little bit of information race going on so uh, being able to sort of try things you know whether it's side projects creative projects hobbies sports i think they all need to be part of like they need to be embedded more and more into into companies into what you actually do yeah. um when someone describes you as a woman entrepreneur is that a label that you like or would you be rather called just an entrepreneur 
I like the term founder a lot more. Okay, woman it's, founder? Or actually, then founder suffices. Like, <laughs> <laughs> because yeah. I'm always intrigued by, uh, you know, so many yeah. times but, when it comes to writers, you know, yeah. they always say, oh, she's an amazing woman writer. Yeah. I mean, so where is this need for the woman part of it? She's yeah. an amazing writer. Yeah. Uh, and, I think you know. because there's so few of us in every, every goddamn field that, uh, you know, one... Uh, I'll be honest in saying we all get recycled a lot. Like I always am like the potato of the women entrepreneurs world because it, there are so few of us that, you know, we end up showing face over and over again. Uh, so that label is kept more for other people than for us because they can identify us to say, oh, okay, you know, oh, all male panel, no, no, go get sorry because like, you know, we need a woman entrepreneur on the panel or like even, you know, in venture capital, there are barely any women investors. So if you found, if if you had, let's say, the first 20, then we will call them women investors, right? We won't call them investors. So it's a, it's a labeling problem. And then progressively, as it goes more mainstream. Yeah, like um, nobody calls women managers anymore because enough women managers. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So it's it's a global agenda. But mm -hmm. what can you know? One or two things that uh, employers can do to encourage and support women as they move up uh, in the leadership ranks. What are some of those things that you I think, think would be... uh, being able to customize your life a little bit along with your work. You know, you know, and people need different kinds of support, and most of their support is really small things. You know. You know, an extra babysitter, uh, a little bit of flexibility around timings, uh, having right mentors, having opportunity to upskill. I think because women get so busy with their lives, there are very few opportunities to go out and sort of, you know, meet smart people or like, uh, you know, upgrade yourself or enroll for a course that you've been sort of hoping to do at some point. So a little bit of, you know, nurturing and nudging around those lines would be really, really helpful. And of course, then there's some really hardcore issues around safety and around safe experience of the workplace, around pay parity. I think I would I would consider them hygiene, so I'm not even going to like spell them out. But being able to allow being people, a fair world workplace, fair, yeah. So yeah, and I it's think. a given. I mean, I think if you were if you're building an organization that that wants its name out there and that wants a lot of respect, then this is a given. But outside of that, I would say being able to custom fit your life to your work, and in some ways they're all in one pot. It's really like cooking it all together, and other everyone sort of has a little flavor. And the more organizations can do around that. It just makes you know a whole world of a difference. What does success look like? If you were to take a five-year horizon, what would that dream be? For us? For you, yeah. specifically For you, Sairi. Okay. Oh, I have lots of ideas. I think um, long wish list. One is, of course, I hope Shiro's gets to like a 100 million women network and okay. we are able to move the needle on women's internet. I, you know, I'm hoping that, look, uh, we're, we're, it's all happenstance timing-wise, and I'm hoping we are able to leverage that and create something out of it. Um, second is I do want to become a yoga teacher uh, at some point, but I also want to open a bar, and maybe they will all be in the same complex, okay, and you can do yoga in the morning and come to the bar at night. Uh, or the other way around. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and... Uh, at some point, maybe a little bit of investing, as in okay. venture investing or angel investing, uh, more around women founders and sort of, you know, uh, I got lucky and I learned a lot of these things, literally sort of, you know, again, crashing some of these things. But I do feel if you're a first time founder and raising money is 
hard for everyone it's a little harder if you don't come from the from the network so that's something i really really care about and hopefully there should be you know something around that i think i'm going to work till the last day i die so i can't imagine my life without work but i think there are more things that can be done no i think that's a, that's a fabulous list because all the dreamers that we have had on our show all of them what makes them really common you know some of the things are the, they all just think that we've just got started there are like a million more things to do yeah. and i hope that you will manage all those million things in this lifetime thank you so very much sari for coming and talking to us thank you once again thank you so much it was a pleasure i love the conversation thank you for listening to this episode of dreamers and unicorns by people strong and with this episode we come to the end of season 1 of the new code of work series thanks to your support dreamers and unicorns became the number one business podcast on apple in india if you like the show or have any feedback for us please rate and review us on apple podcasts we would love to hear from you i am abhijit bhaduri and you can find me at abhijit bhaduri on linkedin and twitter This show is brought to you by People Strong, Asia's leading work and HR tech company. For more information, visit their website at newcodeofwork.com. Dreamers and Unicorns is a Made in India production. Editorial producers: May Thomas and Sean Phantom. Producer: Sharanya Subramanian. Assistant producer: Janam Devan. Sound design and edited by: Karthik Kulkarni.